Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Insightful Thinkers podcast. Um, we are continuing today with. Uh, we are going to be discussing Malcolm X and his life of redemption and how he reinvented himself uh, over the years and how he kind of rose up from some very difficult situations uh, to become uh, perhaps the greatest civil rights leader of all time uh, when it comes to uh, the civil rights of African Americans in the United States and uh, across the world in reality because his words live on and uh, yeah, what he, what he really did was, it was incredible for, for black people. And he had a very different approach, a very more of a caustic approach, more of a, an unfiltered approach than leaders such as um, Martin Luther King. But um, his words impacted people just as greatly. Um, And this, this topic is, uh, especially important now because of, uh, what's been happening with, um, obviously the George Floyd death and, uh, by police officers and, um, and things that have been happening in the United States and, uh, and across the world for, for years now. And this is the first time when, uh, black people's voices are starting to become heard for these serious issues. And there are international protests, uh, not just restricted to uh, national ones within the United States. And this has been, I I believe this will be instrumental for change. And this is a time, um, it's a sad time. And a lot of things have been compiling onto us with obviously the coronavirus and this as well. But, um, uh, the, this kind of uh, triggered my interest back into Malcolm X and to some civil rights leaders and th- their words, because their words really apply to what's been happening today. And every time something like this happens, um, you can turn to turn to these guys. And I turned to the autobiography of Malcolm X and um, how he got through difficult situations to become uh, such a strong fighter for black empowerment and for... Um, just for the the basic civil rights of African Americans. And um, yeah, I believe this is an important topic to talk about today. So that's what we're going to do. Um, who was Malcolm X? Malcolm X was an African American civil rights hero who spoke out uh, about black pride and black nationalism in the early 1960s and a little bit before that as well. Uh, what is black nationalism? What is this approach that Malcolm used? Uh, so black nationalism seeks to promote and develop the black race identity uh, for the purposes of empowering African-Americans. So some of the quotes uh, from Malcolm X, for instance, are um, that show this kind of nationalistic approach to empower black people are, uh, nobody can give you freedom. Nobody can give you equality or justice or anything. If you're a man, you take it. So he kind of was about putting, um, putting issues into your own hands and, um, in a way pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps. But, um, although he did obviously acknowledge that it was more difficult than this, but taking the power into your own hands as a black man who has been oppressed and, um, and taking your freedom, nobody's going to give it to you. And frankly, uh, it's been stolen from you. So let's take it back is kind of what Malcolm was saying. And he also said concerning nonviolence, it is criminal to teach a man not to defend himself when he is the constant victim of brutal attacks. So obviously you can see how this is far from the, uh, turn the other cheek mentality or, um, or something like that, or a more docile approach. He says, um, 
we shouldn't teach men to defend, uh, not to defend themselves if they're victims to these brutal attacks. So again, take control of yourself and we have to be able to stand up for ourselves. Whatever it takes is kind of, uh, what he, what he preached. And another quote is, um, a race of people is like an individual man, unless it uses its own talent, takes pride in its own history, expresses its own culture, affirms its own selfhood, it can never fulfill itself. So he's talking about the black, um, the black race and how uh, it's kind of like an individual man in a sense. And you have to take your talents um, uh, generally as a member of a race and your history and your culture, and you have to be able to express these things and affirm your own selfhood. Only then will you be able to um, to prosper. So this is that black nationalist approach and really a serious empowerment he talked about for, uh, for black people. So you can clearly see this black pride and this black power that he preached and about taking matters into your own hands when it comes to adversity, being strong in the face of this adversity. These, these strong, incredibly strong uh, words directly influenced parties like the Black Panther Party, who which was actually formed in the immediate in the immediate wake of Malcolm X's assassination. So, um, the Black Panthers, for those who don't know, were a again a black nationalist civil rights organization um, that 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 spawned immediately after Malcolm X's assassination in 1965, and they kind of continued this uh, this train of of empowering black people. So, let's kind of go back and talk about how, uh, what kind of where it all started for Malcolm and, uh, how did he get to this point, especially being so downtrodden early in life? Cause by the end of this, you're going to see how he was able to come out of these difficult situations early on and rise up to be one of the greatest, um, frankly, one of the greatest black men ever in many people's books. And, uh, so the Malcolm X, it's an interesting name. It's not as not as, uh, uh, name he was born with. He's Malcolm Little is the name he was born with, but the X replaced the slave master name of Little, which had been imposed uh, by his paternal forebears, is what he says in the book. So as part of the Nation of Islam, which he joined after, or actually during, while he was in prison and immediately after leaving prison, um, they replaced their last names with an X. Um, again, kind of like an empowering move to say, I'm not going to be tied down from a, uh, by a slave master's name. And the X kind of signifies it's unknown what my initial name was before our family was brought here on slave ships, but we're going to use the X. Um, and it wasn't just Malcolm X. There were like quite a few who adopted this X as their last name in the nation of Islam, but we're going to use this X, uh, um, to kind of empower ourselves and to show we're not going to adopt just some some <laughs> any old name that's just been passed down. Um, he Malcolm X fought through a lot of obstacles early in life, so he had an incredibly difficult beginnings, starting with uh, some of his family life just as a child. So uh, he his family experienced uh, death threats from members of a group called the Black Legion. And they were going to kill Malcolm's father and Malcolm's family if they didn't leave town. Um, and I believe this was when they were in Michigan. He was born in Nebraska, and I actually can't remember that 100%, but I believe this is when they were in Lansing, Michigan. These things happened. They also had their house burned down by two racist men, uh, completely burned down. And 
Malcolm X's father died also when he was six. So it was suspected among the town that his father was attacked and left for dead by some of these racists or the Black Legion um, and left for dead on the train tracks because his body was actually found in half from a train. Um, but it was ruled a suicide, so the insurance company did not want to pay Malcolm X, Malcolm's family after the death. So just another hurdle uh, on top of the already difficult situation. And this kind of... Um, led to his mother's uh, mental breakdown, which she suffered, and she was institutionalized in a mental hospital for the rest of her life. So what Malcolm says in the book is um, kind of what he what he thought about this kind of later on is he says, knowing that my mother was in there um, as a statistic that didn't have to be, that existed because of society's failure, hypocrisy, greed, and lack of mercy and compassion. I have no mercy or compassion for a society that will crush people and then penalize them for not being able to stand up under their own weight. Um, so this quote um, greatly applies to what's been happening today with and what continues to happen, especially in the United States of uh, especially black people who are so downtrodden and and uh, there's so much economic disparity there. And they live in such a uh, a difficult uh, difficult is an understatement if you are poor and black in America, uh, such a difficult world. And they're being killed uh, by police, and they are being uh, put down and discriminated against for things that they have no control over. The only thing, the only reason is because they're poor and black in America. And Malcolm says this is why he kind of developed this ideology of having no compassion for society that that crushes people down um, due to systemic racism and and, and uh, serious discrimination, and then penalizes them for not being able to stand up under the weight. Um, this is kind of where Malcolm developed uh, kind of this animosity towards this difficult world that he had experienced from a young age. From his mother's mental breakdown, now he has no parent to care for him, and this puts him into foster care. So this, although... Um, foster care seems like, oh, now he, he has a home and he's accepted somewhere. But he also talks about in the book how this provided even some great difficulties as well. He says, my foster parents would talk in the same way people would talk freely in front of a pet canary. They would use the N-word as though I wasn't there, as if I wouldn't understand what the word meant. It just never dawned upon them that I could understand, that I wasn't a pet, but a human being. They didn't give me credit for having the same sensitivity, intellect, and understanding that they would have been ready and willing to recognize in a white boy in my position. But it has historically been the case. Even though we might be with them, we aren't considered of them. Even though they appeared to have opened the door, it was still closed. Thus, they did not really see me. In this quote, um, incredibly uh, detailed and quite self-explanatory, showing how Malcolm from an early age felt that uh, white America generally just did not see him for who he was. And no matter uh, what his great propensities or skills were or who he was, nobody, everyone kind of looked past him and would, would say these discriminatory things as if he wasn't there, as if he didn't really understand, you know? And this was difficult to be looked upon this way as if he was a pet. And I believe the chapter of the book is called Canary. 
and um, just about how he was not really treated as if he was a boy, but more of a pet in a sense. Now, this kind of low uh, perception of Malcolm extended to his schooling, and the low expectations uh, were were imposed on him by actually teachers. So Malcolm X, he was actually very smart from a young age, and he was actually uh, the class president and actually a tremendous student. But a teacher told him in the eighth grade that he should be a carpenter, you know, and instead instead of i can't remember exactly what he had said to that teacher that he wanted to be but immediately the teacher wrote it off and said be a carpenter um because thinking of being oh it was a lawyer thinking of being a lawyer was foolish uh for a negro so this these are the low expectations imposed on on uh, on Malcolm from an early age, and it's not just Malcolm; it's a lot of black people in America. Uh, it's such a development for the poor black youth because they have nobody to tell them that that they could be something great, and and uh, let let alone they have no one to tell them that they could be something great. And people are also putting them down and saying that uh, not only can they not become something great, but they should probably settle for something more mediocre now there was also the problem of poor role models for malcolm so an incredible quote again in the book is um malcolm x kind of talks about how the ghetto hustler was perceived as um, someone to look up to so when you're poor in the ghetto there's really no one to look up to. No one's become a doctor. No one's done become a lawyer. No, you've really no one to look up to and what these little kids end up looking up to are these these um, these hustlers who are doing whatever they can to survive in the negative environment that was imposed upon them. So Malcolm says, what, what makes the ghetto hustler yet more dangerous is his glamour image to the school dropout youth in the ghetto. These ghetto teenagers see the hell caught by their parents struggling to get somewhere or see that they have given up struggling in the prejudiced intolerant world. The ghetto teenagers make up their own minds that they would rather be like the hustlers whom they see dressed sharp and flashing money and displaying no respect for anybody or anything. So the ghetto youth become attracted to the hustlers world of dope, thievery, prostitution, and general crime and immorality. So the ghetto, this kind of perpetuates this, this difficult cycle for the, the black youth, especially in America, in poor areas, because they their role models simply are are not should not be role models but because they're in such a bad environment that's just who they look up to i mean it's hard for a little kid to choose the right role model if he sees this person flashing money and is having success in a difficult environment maybe that's who i should try to become and there's a lot of psychology research about how role models really impact uh the way who you want to become and and what you do become in the end it's important to have strong role models and um with with poor kids in the ghetto sometimes that simply does not exist and that's what uh malcolm was made clear to malcolm um there's also the problem of a lack of opportunity okay so even if you don't have you're not looking up to any negative role models do you even have the opportunity to make it out of the ghetto 
So he talks about um, a friend named West Indian Archie who had many talents, but he could not put them to appropriate use because of the situation he was in. So West Indian Archie, uh, he says, had the kind of photographic memory that put him among the elite of numbers runners. These are playing like gambling, illegal uh, gambling or numbers games, they called it in Harlem. Uh, He never wrote down your number. He was able to file all the numbers in his head and write them down for the banker only when he turned in his money. This made him the ideal runner because cops could never catch him with any betting slips. Uh, He says, I've often reflected upon such black veteran members, uh, numbers men as West Indian Archie. If they had lived in another kind of society, their exceptional mathematical talents might have been better used, but they were black. So just the issue of being black in America, it doesn't allow you to climb the ladder in a lot of ways. And uh, Malcolm just mentions, uh, but they were black in this case. But um, of also, he, he's having the issue of growing up in such a negative environment. And this may have been because of because they were black and because of obviously slavery and then the imposed Jim Crow laws that held the the newfound uh, freedom of slaves back and they became sharecroppers and the white men still were getting all of the money and the black people were still in poverty. And these are the ancestors of the West Indian Archies and the Malcolm X's who it's hard when you start so many steps back to climb up to a decent position. And these are the barriers that are imposed on black people in America. And that has to be realized when people, um, kind of like the quote Malcolm was talking about when he says, um, when he's talking about his mother and, and how society crushes people and then penalizes them for not being able to stand up under their own weight and penalizes them when uh, they find uh, whatever, and they, they find drugs or marijuana and they lock them up for their whole life and things like this. And that's what they had to do to survive in a lot of cases, but they're penalized for just trying to survive in a, such a negative environment that was, that they did not have control over. Okay. And, and, uh, this is that lack of opportunity. They resort to numbers running. They resort to things that, uh, are not conducive to, uh, overall success in life and it's very short term it's very tunnel vision and often there's nothing they can do because of such a lack of opportunity because of things they can't control um, now how did Malcolm X start to find redemption guys you you can see he experienced so much negative negativity and difficult hurdles in his life how did he become such an important figure if these were all the things he was going through now It didn't start right away. What actually triggered it was going to prison for burglary in 1946 at the age of 20. Um, Malcolm was hustling kind of like West Indian Archie in Harlem for years. And um, he found himself in prison for burglary. So he he spent six years in there. Now, um, what he found in there, he befriended a man who introduced him to the library. And what was interesting in this prison was that they had open access to the library. They could go in and out, grab whatever books, or at least Malcolm did, uh, as far as I can remember from the book. And he began to read uh, an extremely broad um, uh, array of uh, subjects 
and he eventually centered himself on to uh, uh, issues with civil rights and things about uh, African Americans and black people. So he says, I read aimlessly until I learned to read selectively with a purpose. He started to read with a purpose, and um, this became uh, very instrumental in totally shaping Malcolm's mind. And he, so another quote, he says, he says, many who today hear me somewhere in person or on television, or those who read something I've said, will think I went to school far beyond the eighth grade. Um, this impression is due entirely to my prison studies. Malcolm X dropped out of school in the eighth grade, and he started hustling on the streets and uh, living a life of crime. But in prison, just reading and, and, and changing his mind, totally, um, turn Malcolm into this incredibly erudite and incredibly um, articulate speaker, okay? And uh, I find it so incredible that these, just reading and reading books can change somebody that much. This is the importance of education. Malcolm actually says without, one of his quotes is, without education, you're not going anywhere in this world. Without that stimulus into your brain, um, to allow your mind to grow and expand and to learn about the condition of, of things around you. And you're not going anywhere because what education does is it gives you a set of uh, spectacles to look through, look through onto the world. And whatever subject you learn, you look at the world through those spectacles from your education. From and, and so what you read is important. What we take in is important, guys. This is almost like a recurring theme of, of ITP because... Uh, we've talked about in a few episodes now of how what we take into our minds really shapes us. So be weary of what you take into your minds. And that's what Malcolm X did in prison. He learned to read selectively with a purpose. And he says, let me tell you something. In every free moment I had, if I was not reading in the library, I was reading on my bunk. You couldn't have gotten me out of books with a wedge. Months passed without my even thinking about being imprisoned. In fact, up to then, I had never been so truly free in my life. And what an incredible quote from a man in prison who says, I found freedom now that I am locked up. Okay. This is a quote that you hear a lot in hip hop is they can lock my body, but can't lock my mind. So this applied so greatly to Malcolm. And, um, he also has a funny, he says, an English writer telephoned me from London asking questions. One was, what was your alma mater? Okay. And he says, I told him books. He said, you, you will never catch me with a free 15 minutes in which I'm not studying something I feel might be able to help the black man. So Malcolm, he, uh, he really took advantage of these books in this library and um, education. He educated his mind, and this is where he began to redeem himself. Now, it, it was not a complete turnaround right from prison. One issue, um, although he, he did begin to rise up um, after his release from prison due to this self-education, he was not fully on the right track, but he was making great progress and becoming, this is when he essentially became famous uh, as a civil rights leader in America. So immediately after these six years in jail, he spent 12 years in the nation of Islam. So as a, as a free man, he, <clears throat> he went on to um, be in the nation of Islam, which was led by Elijah Muhammad, who essentially was preaching a false religion, um, 
to a lot of uh, uh, black people in America, but it was very effective for empowering them. And a lot of the quotes Malcolm X has said, you kind of have to parse through it because a lot of the things he said were very um, essentially racist against uh, a lot of the white people. And he, he actually adopted a little bit of this racist ideology that he so vehemently opposed um, coming from white people. So he actually quite often referred to white people as the devil uh, quite unfortunately in this, and this is why uh, a lot of people have not kind of wanted to further Malcolm's reputation. And, um, even he says for his, for the funeral, well, he doesn't say this obviously, but for the funeral in the afterward, it says no church really wanted to accept him in there. And they, there was only like a couple, uh, preachers who would do the funeral because he said things like this and, um, although he was incredibly instrumental and, and a lot of his quotes are just as good as that one is bad. Um, he did, he did suffer from a little bit of this racist ideology and, um, but he still spoke out against these, these without restraint is what Malcolm did. Uh, most greatly he spoke without restraint against the injustices of African Americans. Um, but he did, of course, hold this negative attitude against white people, making him far more controversial than leaders such as Martin Luther King Jr. So some of his uh, more caustic approach are in examples in these quotes. So um, he says, be peaceful, be courteous, obey the law, respect everyone. But if someone puts his hand on you, send him to the cemetery. This is far from the turn your other cheek mentality um, in Christianity. And as a matter of fact, he actually often viewed the Christian philosophy as overly docile and submissive and, uh, and inadequate ultimately for the purposes of black people gaining civil rights. So he certainly wasn't so well respected among, uh, many of the Christians at the time. Uh, another quote he says is we are nonviolent with people who are nonviolent with us. Again, none of this, um, turn the other cheek. This is if you're violent, we have the right to become violent with you and stand up for ourselves. It was a very more of a strong approach, a militant approach, a black nationalist approach that um, that he really was was uh, preaching, especially as a member of the Nation of Islam. Now, he began to redeem himself. Um, this life of redemption, it, it really started to turn around when he left the Nation of Islam. And this is only in the last... Uh, year of his life when his ideology became less extreme and and his philosophy became more accepting of all people black or white so he he says in the book the sickness and the madness of those days in the nation of islam i'm glad to be free of them he began began to find real uh islam and uh, became a real muslim not just a member of the nation of islam and he says I feel like a man who has been asleep somewhat and under someone else's control. I feel like um, what I'm thinking and saying is now for myself, because it was for and by the guidance of Elijah Muhammad before. Now, I think with my own mind, okay? In the last year of his life, he finally started to break ties with the Nation of Islam and to find his own uh, way. And no more of the all praises due to Elijah Muhammad, the, the leader who kind of uh, brought him under his wing after prison. He has now found himself, okay? Uh, I think with my own mind now, he says. So this is the final chapter of Malcolm's life. 
because it did unfortunately come to an abrupt end due to this after this fracture with members of the nation of islam um they hunted him down and they were hunting him down for a very long time and the fbi did not take uh, malcolm x's complaint seriously and uh, they eventually did assassinate malcolm in 1965 in february but prior to this um he did live out this final chapter and uh, this more accepting chapter guys and and what he says is awareness came surging up in me uh, how deeply the religion of islam had reached down and into the mud to lift me up to save me from being what i inevitably would have been a dead criminal in a grave or if still alive a flint hard bitter 37 year old convict in some penitentiary or a sane asylum or at best i would have been an old fading detroit red hustling stealing enough for food and narcotics and myself being stalked as prey by cruelly ambitious younger hustlers such as detroit red had been but allah had blessed me to learn about the religion of islam which had enabled me to lift myself up from the muck and the mire of this rotting world and there i stood the invited speaker at harvard okay so by this time malcolm had gained great notoriety across the world and um he he really attributes his redemption to finding uh real islam and and he had a he did a pilgrimage to mecca with a lot of other muslims and after finding this true religion and becoming more more at peace with himself and with the world and with white people and black people he says my pilgrimage broadened my scope it blessed me with a new insight in two weeks in the Holy Land, I saw what I never had seen in 39 years in America. I saw all races, all colors, blue-eyed blondes and black-skinned Africans in the true brotherhood, in unity, living as one, worshiping as one. In the past, yes, I have made sweeping indictments of all white people. I never will be guilty of that again, as I know now that some white people truly are sincere that some truly are capable of being brotherly toward a black man the true islam has shown me that a blanket indictment of all white people is wrong just as wrong as when whites make blanket indictments against blacks clearly guys this is not the philosophy that he had adopted in the nation of islam he he made blanket statements against white people in those 12 years and without really even considering that this was the same thing that they were doing to blacks so this totally changed malcolm x's perspective and it's so unfortunate that it, it was in the final year of his life and he did not really get to live out this final chapter of this accepting more of an accepting uh, malcolm x and um he really attributes this to to finding uh, the religion of Islam, and whether it was f this or whether it was the education he had, all of these things culminated into somebody who is incredible and who who really um, pushed the issue of of injustices um, that were happening against blacks and black empowerment guys. And without the steps that he made, we would not be as far as we are today and of course with the events that recently happened a couple of weeks ago and and uh with the protests you see that we are far from where we need to be but it's guys like this who uh, spoke these words of truth and these words of empowerment that got us to where we are and his words live on so these words will continue to live with us as we move forward and continue uh, to guide us so though far from perfect him 
Malcolm X fought shamelessly and without filter for what he believed in, guys, and that is to be commended. He did not mince his words. He spoke tr freely, without concern uh, of uh, of any type of um, negative feelings. He he didn't care about about anybody's feelings. He spoke out against against the oppression that blacks have been facing for years, guys, and. And to really um, bring black people up and to make them feel empowered in who they are rather than feeling negative about who they are because of all the negativity and all of the uh, things in this world that would make them think that they're any lesser than a, than a man or a, 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 a white man beside him. He brought them up, okay? And he, and these words continue to do that. So I suggest, this is a recommended read for anybody. You don't need to be black you it doesn't matter these this is really incredible the what what kind of life he lived how he redeemed himself from the muck um and how he he came out of this mire to really help other people as well and to empower people guys so um his fine one of his final quotes was um, quite ironically and unfortunately it was but quite powerful he says it is a time for martyrs now and if i am to be one it will be for the cause of brotherhood. That's the only thing that can save this country, guys. And that was actually two days before his assassination. He said, if I can be a martyr, and this is when he knew he had predicted that he was going to die because he knew the Nation of Islam members were hunting him down after he split from them. And um, he essentially became bigger than Elijah Muhammad actually ever was. And that created jealousy and that... Uh, caused them to hunt hunt down Malcolm, but he was being hunted by them for a while. The FBI didn't take these complaints seriously, and uh, he knew, and he had come to peace with it in a way. So he says, it's a time for martyrs, and if I have to be one, then it's going to be for the cause of brotherhood, guys. And uh, that's the only thing that will save this country. I think that's a good way to end this one. And uh, it's just powerful words, guys. Go watch his videos. Uh, of his speeches, go read the autobiography. And I believe this will help us during this difficult time with uh, continued civil rights issues, guys. They're never gonna, they're never gonna be perfect, but all we can do is just keep advancing, taking it day by day, and using perhaps some of Malcolm X's story of redemption to redeem uh, yourself and redeem your heart and to strengthen you and empower you uh, to move forward in this difficult time, you guys. If you like this episode, um, please share it with anyone who is also interested in uh, perhaps civil rights or anyone you think this episode could help uh, to learn about Malcolm X, and especially in, in the time that we're in. I think it's very important. Uh, you can subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening on, so whether it's Spotify, Apple, YouTube, or anywhere else. Uh, Apple Podcasts actually allows you to leave a rating and a review, so that would be great if you did that. And of course, YouTube allows you to like the video. Uh, share your own ideas or questions as well from the connect page on, on the website, insightfullthinkersmedia.com, or in the YouTube comments section. And if you are on the website, check out the blog posts. Uh, there are poems and there are articles on there that kind of go with some of the podcasts uh, that, we've, that we've done in the past. And uh, if you want to join the monthly ITP video conference call, uh, you can support the podcast on Patreon. So this is where we come together each month to have insightful discussions and to analyze topics. Um, 
it's essentially a video call for myself and and you guys to talk about whatever uh things you want to talk about whether it's uh events happening in the present day and or or whether it's about any episodes or any thoughts you've had from the podcast that's that's happening through patreon every month we're going to come together and have a have a video call together you guys um other than that I think that's about everything for today. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Insightful Thinkers podcast. This means a lot. I do feel as if every episode is getting better and is getting more concise, succinct, and more clear. And uh, I just, uh, I tell you guys every single time, but I'm so happy to be doing this. Every time I get all set up and ready to go, I'm always very excited and uh this is this is just going to uh, keep going. There's so many topics to discuss, to have a little bit of an in-depth discussion about you guys. And I'm hoping that I can provide something that isn't found uh, anywhere else, frankly. A little bit of an in-depth discussion into a diverse set of topics, you guys. So thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And we'll be back soon uh, for more in-depth analysis into a diverse set of topics. Take care, everybody, and stay safe. <laughs>